Let's pray. Father, as we've read about listening to you and paying attention to you, we pray that as we finish our series in James at the moment, we will read not just read his book, but sense your voice, your nudge, your prompting on each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with uh, this question. What do you like in a queue? What do you like in a queue? Somebody, somebody volunteered the truth. Terrible. Yeah, I know. What, this guy at the, at the back, he looks like he's, he's, he actually, he's just bought some toilet rolls. That's me. And he looks like he's desperate for the loo. And I guess we've all had uh, bad moments of thinking dark thoughts about the people in front of us and why they're thinking, why they're taking so long in, when we're in a queue. Or maybe a traffic jam. Or maybe on the telephone when you're put on hold uh, and listening to either some pre-recorded message or a bit of music that you'd rather not and all that sort of thing. Or maybe waiting for something that makes your heart beat a bit faster. Maybe waiting for medical test results or waiting for a procedure that you know needs doing. Uh, those kind of things. Sometimes Patience is a really tough thing. As we end our series on James today, uh, we're going to focus on verses 7 to 12 of chapter 5. Uh, so do turn in your Bibles to pages 14 to page 1403, uh, where you'll find that passage. I preached on verses 13 to 20 in, uh, in June as part of our, our series on prayer and the Holy Spirit. So you'll be relieved, I expect, uh, when you hear that I'm not going to uh, repeat myself from that. But I'm going to look at that middle chunk of the chapter, so do turn to that uh, today. James says in verse 7, he says, um, I'll read it. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Last Sunday, uh, we were in this same place, many of us, and uh, celebrating our Harvest Festival. Uh, and, and thanking God that we get so much uh, from that combination of the land and God himself and water and rain and sun and so on, farmers' efforts, and uh, then uh, people who you know, ship and distribute and so on and sell uh, what we have to eat. But the process of growing and uh, all the other things involved from sowing right through to harvesting and beyond, uh, that's not instant. We live in a world that is sometimes obsessed by doing things quickly. Uh, we, we have a whole generation of restaurants that I frequent, I, I'll say that straight away, um, that uh, where it's not good food, or even cheap food, but what they advertise is fast food. Okay, uh, so we're, we're a, I guess, in a world that where speed has become very important. And uh, by contrast, this farmer is looking at the field when there's not much showing yet. He's done some ploughing, he's done some sowing, but uh, not much else. And he's not panicking because he doesn't see action. He's not 
panicking when he sees that the land in front of him is still bare. He's patient, and James draws our attention to him. And then uh, James continues. He says, uh, how patient a farmer is. Let's look at the next. He's another farmer. How patient a farmer is, waiting uh, for the autumn and spring rains. Sometimes it's frustrating. You don't know exactly when they're going to come, but you know they're going to come sometime. And uh, that's what the farmers are doing, uh, waiting for the rain. That's what, at least what this farmer is doing, because you can tell he's looking at the sky, seeing whether those clouds are going to be bearing rain. James says that we can be patient. And one of the reasons, one of the key reasons that we can be patient is that we're not sure when uh, God is coming again, but we know that he's coming again. We're not sure when it's going to happen, but we are sure that it will happen. And as Christians, we can be sure. That's why actually at the front of our church, we've got the words, till he come, inscribed on the front wall. That sense of expectancy is rising, uh, as James writes. In verse 7, he refers to the fact that um, uh, the Lord's coming. He refers to that briefly. Then he says, in verse 8, he says, uh, the Lord's coming is near. And in verse 9, he builds it up even more. And he says that the judge is waiting at the door. All of that in James now here's a phrase that I, I heard long before I became a Christian. Let's put it up on the screen now. I, I, I heard this long before I became a Christian, and certainly a long time before I read the book uh, that uh, gives this phrase its name. The phrase is patience of Job. You meet people around the place who've got um, not much idea what Job did or what he wrote or anything like that, but they do know that he was patient, and people talk about the patience of Job, as if you must have that in order to put up with X, Y, Z. Well, actually, there's something in that, uh, and, and reading Job's book helps unpack that. But in verse 10, look at what James writes in today's passage, and look, look at what he says. James moves on from writing about uh, farmers, and he writes about the prophets as an example of patience. And he writes about the major figures of the Old Testament. Of course, Job is kind of, sort of a prophet in some respects, but actually just one of the major figures of the Old Testament in his book would not normally be considered a book of prophecy. And he, like many of the figures in the Old Testament, the prophets and others, uh, were considered foolish at the time because they were being patient and putting up with things and trusting God through things but actually people thought, hang on a minute, they shouldn't. And sometimes they were announcing uh, tough news. And uh, it didn't seem to be coming to pass. They had to wait. People had to wait. In Job's case, even his wife urged him to curse God. But Job refused. He trusted in something else. This is what he trusted in. He trusted in a God of compassion and mercy. Look at uh, verse 11. That's what James talks about. It says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
Job and others trusted God's compassion and mercy, and then trusting it, in due course, they found it to be real. References in, in the previous verse in, uh, the, the, uh, in, in, to um, the perseverance of Job and others. James points out that uh, like others who persevere patiently, then Job in the end was rightly considered blessed. He's blessed because he's seen what verse 11 describes as what the Lord finally, there's a bit of a wait, but finally brought about. Let's look at our next picture. This, this is um, a prophet in a stained glass window. And the focus in this paragraph we're looking at is about Job. But actually it could be on lots of the uh, major figures, uh, prophets in particular in the uh, Old Testament, because they were often called to persevere in very different, difficult circumstances. I found myself uh, just uh, recently thinking about Jeremiah, and I heard him described uh, as the life and soul of the funeral. The life and soul of the funeral. He was delivering, for a long time, not good news about what lay ahead. For 40 years, actually, he spoke about judgment to come. And then he looked even further ahead, uh, beyond that judgment, to something better uh, that God would do in the uh, very long-term uh, future. He too persevered. He trusted God. He trusted that God was, as James described, full of compassion and mercy. I wonder if any of you have had, ever had a view like this. Um, I have. We'll come to that in a minute. But James says in verse 9, he says to people, uh, don't grumble. It's all too easy to grumble, isn't it? Uh, uh, the Israelites did it very soon after, straight after the Exodus, when they were set free from Egypt, and they started grumbling about various things in the desert, and they wished they could go back to Israel and stuff, go back to Egypt even, and stuff like that. And uh, many, many Christians, we also find ourselves, our world is a world of grumbling and anger. And we find, can quickly, easily find ourselves sucked into that. We too can do some grumbling. There's a challenge in this. My mind goes back straight away to the conversation I had with Tom just uh, the weekend before we began this series on James. How, cha how challenging it is. There's a lot in this for us. We need to hear these words, don't grumble, and so on. He says that in verse 9. Then in verse 12... Uh, he talks about not swearing by God. And it, verse 12 can seem a bit out of place. But uh, we think about not swearing. And you'll, you'll see why this, uh, this image, some of you will be, be thinking, oh yes, I know what that's there for. Um, when we we're, tempted, we're tempted sometimes to swear by God or take his name use it inappropriately um, when we shouldn't. Um, it isn't, it, there's no, uh, I'm not saying other people should do what I do, by the way, but um, I'll explain this picture. A dozen or so years ago, then uh, 
responsibility for doing things, uh, arranging events and getting temporary alcohol licenses for events and so on, that passed to uh, local authorities. Uh, but before that, you had to go to, I had to apply to the magistrate's court. And if you applied a bunch of times for different events, as we did in my previous church, then you, sometimes you had to go to court and you know, be asked some questions about the event that you were running and why you wanted an alcohol license and such things. Anyway, on, on one, one of these occasions, I remember um, declining uh, to uh, do what people normally do in court, which is to swear on a Bible. And uh, there's a civilian, civilian affirmation that's um, uh, offered instead. Uh, I remember years later being a juror on the case, and the only two people in the court who used that were me, one of the jurors, and the defendant, uh, which was quite interesting, I thought. But uh, there we go. Most people do it without thinking about it. And actually, one of the articles of the Church of England says it's fine. It's no problem to swear in court. But I don't. I don't swear on the Bible. Uh, because, actually, it says specifically, it says itself in a couple of places, don't. It just says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And this little brother James, obviously, he was obviously listening uh, when Jesus said that because later on in verse 12, that's exactly what he says here let your yes be yes. And you'll know, no. Uh, so that's it's important that we should our word should mean something. Sometimes our word is cheap, uh, but um, it, that's not how it should be. God's word planted in us should make a difference. But we all fall short on this. Here's a man falling short. Um, there was uh, the, the 100 metres. Some of you will have been watching it yesterday in the uh, World Athletics Championship. We won in 9.76 seconds or whatever it was by uh, uh, chap with a chap um, I don't know if you'll keep that gold medal because there's, uh, there's a few questions hanging over him. But um, anyway, he fell short. Well, he, he didn't, but here's a man on this picture falling just short of the finishing line. Now, I fell short this week. Um, I can think of an example very easily. Actually, uh, last Sunday after the service, I was chatting to somebody, uh, one of you, and I said after the service, oh, I'll do something or other this afternoon. So I've done such a thing. And actually, I got busy that afternoon with various things, and I did it the next morning. Now, in some ways, that's no big deal. The task got done. It wasn't majorly urgent or anything like that. Uh, but... I had said yes, and my yes should have meant yes, and it didn't. And uh, that's just a trivial example of somebody falling short of a finishing line. But all of us can think, I guess, of more major examples than that, things that we've come across in our own experience, maybe that we've been a guilty party of ourselves. Paul said in Romans 3 that we all fall short of the glory of God. So I have, and we should all have, a due sense of humility and dependence on God as we think about this, what James has to say.
repeating the words of Jesus without letting our yes be yes. Like the man on the screen, we all fall short. We all depend on God's forgiveness. We all depend on the God who is full of compassion and mercy. I want to end with, uh, with uh, this one. And this is kind of sums it up. Anyway, I, put, I, put, I put this, there's a title of this sermon really, in, in uh, the note sheet today, God's Values in God's Time Scale. Over the last few weeks we've been looking at the book of James and his book contains a lot of different lessons and I guess some, most of us are in the process of learning those to some extent. We may have learned them in our head but we haven't yet fully translated them to our hands. Um, there's a work in progress among us. But all of these lessons go back to what James said in chapter 1. You heard me refer to this once or twice and I'll do it again. I'll just read it. Uh, James writes, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. That's the written word, the Bible, and the living word, Jesus himself. The whole book is about humbly accepting God's word planted in us and letting it have its way uh, in us and through us. So it means, what I've put on the screen here, God's values, working those out, living those out, in God's time scale. And sometimes God's time scale is very different from ours. For God, as Peter puts it in one of his letters, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. For God, as Paul puts it in one of his letters, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we prayed for the children like we did earlier on, with, with love, joy, peace, and so on. Then patience grow in them and in us along the way. And for God, as James puts it, uh, patience is part of humbly accepting his word planted in us. So with this in mind, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word planted in us. Thank you that you are a God, as we have read, who is full of compassion and mercy. Lord, we're sorry for the times when uh, we've neglected your word planted in us or we've, uh, we've strayed off in the wrong direction. We've fallen short in various ways. We pray, please, that you will work in us and continue to work in us. So we, like James, who is the little brother of Jesus, uh, we can be uh, the little brothers and sisters of Jesus, bearing his name and serving him in his world. In his name. Amen.